it's good people it's reg it's dope and it's a legal hour where we give artists advice on how to navigate the trials and tribulations of record contracts we're calling this rule 1080 i mean we're up until like 2450 <laughs> right <laughs> 10309 jacobian myers <laughs> Uh, what's good, people out there? As usual, which I feel like we spent a little bit way too much time talking about this episode, we're going to talk about record labels and weird deals. Record labels, stay shady. Stay shady. You know, not all record labels, but uh, if, you're, if you're making any kind of major label, record label money, it's tough. A lot of great indie labels out there doing great work, but you know... Sometimes you got to be able to look between the lines. If you got Cousin JoJo, <laughs> who's ever managed anybody trying or, to get you Or just deal? JoJo. She or just JoJo. Over, oh, oh, JoJo. Just JoJo. JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, long story short, news this week was uh, Megan Thee Stallion, who kind of went to where everybody goes to nowadays, a state, statecraft. You know, we're fighting about wars. We're fighting <laughs> about virus outbreaks. And we're fighting about bad record label contracts. Megan Thee Stallion went on to Instagram to basically say her record label sucks. She wants out. And they're stopping her from releasing her new album. You know, it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> like, like, like dead ass. Like, this is not anything new, obviously. People have been, artists have been beefing with their record label I mean, since the beginning of recorded music. Um, and, but I think for me, it was just like, it was really kind of sad to see it. Um, Megan Thee Stallion basically signed a, a deal with, what's the name of the, the label? It's like... It's Certified Entertainment, which I love. By the way, I'm going to start a record label just to have my own record label name. <laughs> it's going to be very Baton Rouge's masterpiece, certain I, circa We need to bring back like that that mm. style of album cover, you know, a mixtape cover. Oh, man. It's, oh, mine's going to be like, you know, like like Exquisite Diamonds Dude, I Incorporated. Mean, I was like, it's when you, you, you take that first Photoshop class and you just like go oh, ham. Oh, it's going to be... Oh. <laughs> I, I, I got dreams, dog. Dreams. Heron bones everywhere. Like all my artists in the cover. All of them. Chilling. But uh, yeah, so, so started by a dude who actually, a baseball player called Crawford, you know, multimillionaire, had a little popping career himself. You know, fine making. Apparently, him and his moms are cool. Him, him and her moms are cool. They're working together, you know, and. Megan got signed to got you know started talking to rock you know rock nation. Well, well before that, so oh, Megan Megan signed this deal with Certified Entertainment or, or whatnot, um, which was like a sixty forty split, um, which basically said like like uh, Certified Entertainment would take sixty percent and then Megan would get forty percent, uh, and Megan was basically saying that out of that forty percent that Megan the Stallion got. That went to her paying for the studio time and for the distribution and all these things. Which is foreign cost for a major label deal. Which it sucks though. Yeah, Where's that sixty percent going? But the sixty percent should go to studio time. It should go to all of these things. Uh, and I know, like, I, I mean, I have like a record label contract. Like, I know, like, at some a certain point, you do like recoup as a label and blah blah. blah but it's a really fucked up practice. To have you like you know uh, have to front all these costs as an artist, and especially if you're blowing up, that it just makes the cost even greater. 
And you know, like TLC had the same th- same type of deal where they have to front a lot of the costs, and like every artist kind of has this deal where they have to front all of these costs up front. And then you're looking, and you're blowing up, and you're broke, right? Yeah. Um. So it seems like that was the case, according to Megan The Stallion, that she signed this deal. She was young. She wasn't really paying attention, which again, tale as old as time. <laughs> And now she was trapped, and Rock Nation offered her altruistic like Rock Nation, known for <laughs> the not-for-profit works, helping you children. Know, she was in the well, know. and the Rock Nation had the rope, and she pulled herself <laughs> out, basically. Um, I don't know, like, like the idea of where, and I get it, like you know, Rock Nation came said that you know this crooked label is kind of fucked up, yada yada. You need a better label deal is cool, but also Rock Nation. So obviously they get, you know, I'm assuming whatever happens in the end of it, their money goes up also. My issue is I think a lot of it is a leftover of, you know, it's it's fucked up because I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate because you could make the argument that, you know, years ago when record labels used to have these things called A&Rs, the idea is the fact of where they would actually spend money on an artist. You know, they would actually, you know, come out here, we'll fly you out, we're throwing kids tons of money at studio time, yada, yada, this and that. You know, there was a lot of overhead involved, a lot of cocaine involved, you of know. Course. And I think those times have changed where what's disheartening is the idea we kind of kept this idea going, particularly in an era where a lot of the artists are doing it themselves. Like, I wish it'd be a case of where, you know, Reggie Reggie cuts the greatest hip-hop album of all time. Bam, I'm in the studio. I come out there. You know, I hand my fucking matches to the record label. And then, you know, three, four months later, all the money comes rolling back into me and we get a split. No, like the artist is out there touring. Before the artist was out there touring, yeah. hustling, guest appearances, yeah, you know, going up to TRL, all the other bullshit. Now you're fucking on Twitter, social media, you know what I'm saying? You're going on YouTube, you're going to all these things, podcasts. So it's the idea of where it's odd in an era where the artist has to do a lot more legwork, <laughs> those label deals have kind of stayed the same. Like enough where I'd make the argument that if the if if basically the label's charging you to like record and, you know, engineering, I should be able as an artist to charge the record label for advertising. <laughs> you know, that's like social media. I'm like, yo, let's, like, let's go back and forth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's charge each other then. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, it's not one way. I'm, you know. And like I said, it's, it's kind of unfortunate because I kind of get it. You know, I've known people who have signed artists and they've got a little buzz, you know, like low level matches, like shit where it's just like, you know, we're talking about blog era, where yeah. it's like, you know, one or two blogs wrote about them and they're on some like, fuck you, I'm out, you know, and they're taking the ideas with them, the investments with them. And so I kind of get the record label perspective and I put that in quotes. But by and large, particularly when you get to your Sony's and your Universal's and these big labels, is this a matter of maximizing their profit? Is this a matter of just like, you know, you've got somebody young, you know, you show up, you ain't got shit, you can, you're playing your same shitty instrument you've had for the past five years, and if I give you 20 Gs, you're going to sign whatever the fuck I give put in front of your face. You know what I'm saying? And not because you're smarter or whatever, it's the idea of where, you know, even to get a lawyer to look it over requires money. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. I kind of have you. And, and you know, usually what ends up happening is that, you know, they get signed. Like in this case, they blow up. A couple of albums come out. They're like, hey, I'm not getting a lot of money. They sue because now they've got money to sue. And their record labels kind of, you know, figure out what's happening. They, they negotiate or not. Record label gets the cut they want. And that's about it. And the only thing that kind of sucks about it is that, you know, and I think it goes back to that bigger idea of just you have commerce in, in, in art. 
and how do you kind of put those two things together? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, and, and it's crazy too because you know I guess the label rep from from Megan the Stallion's label came out and essentially had an interview with Billboard and basically first off said like sixty forty split is like amazing for a new artist, which. <laughs> he's I mean I don't know this dude's background but he sounded just like a straight up label guy <laughs> like you say he's a like, professional athlete or whatever but like, he sounds like one of those 90s label like slick talking dudes to me right um, and then he's just like oh uh, there was kind of a coup uh, where you know I guess like Megan Thee Stallion and somebody else like went up to New York to the Rock Nation office and they lied to him and basically said, oh, we're just like meeting Jay-Z because Jay-Z is a huge fan. And apparently that was actually the meeting where, like, apparently Megan Thee Stallion is, is, I don't know if she's signed to Rock Nation as, I think they're just like as management now. But I guess it's kind of the, that whatever deal they signed uh, happened during that weekend. And this, this guy is cut out, out of the deal. Um, and then he found out, you know, I guess on Instagram Live or whatever, like, platform that Megan, you know, did it. And Megan Thee Stallion didn't, like, uh, like approach him. Now, I'm not sure if that's really true because Megan Thee Stallion filed a lawsuit basically uh, saying, you know, like, uh, uh, basically she got a restraining order, actually. Yeah, to, to, uh, to stop through, them because they were trying to stop her from releasing the album. So yeah. That was her way to get around yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, so, you know, like, if you didn't know about all of this, then you need to hire better lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of weird, right? There's like, it's, it's, it's kind of a he said, she said. Um, I feel like there's gray areas on both sides where somebody's probably, f- like, you know, bending the truth a little bit you know, on their, to, to suit their goals. I'm sure Megan's kind of doing the same. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a really sad situation at the end of the day, just because you have this artist who should be next. Oh, and, and, and it's dumb too, because, and, and I, and I kind of get the idea of the, the original record label, like, Hey, or, you know, we're trying to kind of keep our, recoup our costs, but like, she's hot. Like, like when that, when that, when that thing hits streaming, there's going to be enough money there for everybody to eat. In theory. I mean, obviously, streaming, streaming pennies aside. <laughs> in theory. In theory. You know, she comes out of the album. It's not a dub. Goes out there, tours the album. There's money coming in. You know, she's somebody where, like I was saying, for like the last two or three years, she would pop up in weird places. Like I'd see her playing festivals, but like weird like rock festivals. Yeah. You know, she's out there, you know, doing the guest appearances on late night shows. She's 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 hustling for that money. She's fucking young and going for that fucking dollar. So like I'm pretty sure money's coming in. It's just the idea of, and rightfully so, where I'd be pissed too if, you know, I'm out here playing fucking broccoli fests. <laughs> and there's a Doggy Dog Festival in LA at the same day, and I'm just getting fucking pennies for it. Did they resolve that, by the way? Let me, I, I, let me, I don't know. I feel like the Broccoli like, City Fest lineup, see, and see yeah, if I Megan think, is still. still <laughs> the, the, the fake was Lovers and Friends and Broccoli Fest. You know, props to her because she apparently could clone herself or teleport. But. <laughs> You know, I guess that I see... This I see, is where the real yeah. money's at. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck this label. Teleportation, like, man. Teleportation. Holograms. <laughs> Apparently the Whitney Houston hologram I think is going to have a set soon in, in Vegas. I was I popped in my social media feed, which I totally ignored because I was like, I don't even want to go there. I kind of want to see that. No, I don't want to see that at all. I am totally not religious and I feel like that's definitely the side of 666. You're going to get very old man here. 
I'm going to start cursing in, in various tongues because that shit's crazy to me. But, yeah, no, it's, it's the idea of where, and like I said, you said it's the oldest story in the book. And I just wish there was a way to kind of balance both. And I, and I think particularly now, it'd be one thing if we were talking about the 90s. And I'm not saying it was good back then because Lord knows, man, like going back to JoJo, like how, how much good music have we lost because major labels just fucking suck? I mean, and we still don't have Aaliyah on streaming. Yeah, like, it's, it's you know, a whole bunch a, of fuckeries, whole, particularly because yeah. you're just dealing with these big corporate entities who really do not give a fuck. It's literally, you know, numbers on Excel spreadsheet. But, but that's the thing, though. It's, like, it's, it's the most interesting where, even, you know, in this case, in the Aaliyah case, it's not even a big corporate entity. It's, you know, your hometown label. Right, it's like your, you know, your your label, your uh, that, or Aaliyah's case, I think it's like her her uncle or something like that. Like, it's not even like a, a universal music. It's people in your own camp, people in your own hometown, <laughs> that that are doing this to you. It you sucks. know, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. So but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess ideally the album's still coming out. Apparently, she announced it, and Megan's still in the Broccoli City lineup. Oh, so, so she'll be teleportation. Know, I, That's I, a, I, I think <laughs> if I were her, cloning and teleportation, those are those are much more feasible I, revenue I, streams. I just hope she's not at hologram level. Like you can't have hologram levels of, of like living artists. That like, that cannot be a thing. But I have this for you. But imagine you have holograms collaborating. Like Chief Keef and fucking Megan Thee Stallion both fucking teleporting in and fucking performing and shit. I don't know about that. I'm saying. I'm I don't just, know about that. the future, man. There you, needs to be rules about this shit. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what's life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, back in the day. I remember back in the days. You just have the MC out there with the backing tracks and then, you know, he would rap on top of it. Now, you basically, everything's auto-tuned and... You got all these vocals they're rapping on top of, singing on top of, all all this, you know, artifice. Just, you just know? put Chief Keep on a private jet. Get him there. Well, first of all, can he get Chief Keep on a private jet without him getting arrested? Let's start from there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Homie's got crazy warrants in, in Chicago. True. And probably true. Fred's just waiting to capture him. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's, it's, I mean, I'm still coming out. I kind of get the idea of as a new artist, it's hard to kind of have the resources to kind of really take a look at contracts. Yeah. But really, even if you got the homie who <laughs> who went to jail for a little bit, was just studying in the law room a little bit, maybe have him take a look at it. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, no, no, it's no, just, no. you know, just, just do an extra glance. Don't don't believe any, the, just like the way you'd be looking at some other dude on the street being a little shady. It's because they show up there and take you to the nice restaurant, you know, that, that nice Applebee's in your town and promise you these millions doesn't mean it's going to happen. And, that. and speaking of record label issues, related but not really, Public Enemy, after many years, kicked out Flavor Flav. And it's all Bernie's fault. It's all Bernie's fault. Bernie Bernie can't get the black vote and is breaking up black bands. <laughs> Bernie obviously is a pant for the KKK. You didn't know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and this is kind of crazy too, like, and again, like I, I deleted my Twitter, but I, I went on the Twitter mobile web version because you know Chuck D and Flavor Flavor going back and forth on Twitter. About again, this. same place we get our statecraft done, and all these other is where we just watch celebs be petty beef with each other. It's, also, and I think like the ba- the background is, uh, I guess like you know Flavor Flav uh, refused to play the Bernie concert. But I guess Chuck D was like mad that Flavor didn't want to play another concert yeah, with Harry Belafonte like t- 
three years ago. Yeah, apparently. So the story is the idea of you got public enemy, the entity, right? Bam, we all know it. Chug, Flavor Flav, fight the power. You got public enemy radio, which is basically the way they kind of get around. It. And you hear this a lot of acts where a lot of punk acts and rock and roll acts, and they kind of they'll change. Like you know, the you know one group will be this group. You know, they'll use the name this way. Like, like perfect example would be Peter Hook and New Order, right? Mm. New Order, huge band, 80s. Peter Hook, one of the seminal members of it, somehow gets kicked out of the band. And so pretty much it's like Peter Hook doing the songs of New Order. Oh, uh, yeah. So Public Enemy Radio, that was Entity of Public Enemy, which technically isn't Public Enemy because it doesn't have Flavor Flav. Yeah. But you get pretty much everything else you get out of a Public Enemy show except Flavor Flav. Yeah. The problem here is that when Public Enemy Radio is playing the Bernie Sanders rally... They were using public enemy name, full stop. And the photo, right? And the photo, full stop. Yeah. Which generally they avoided so then they get into the situation. At that time, Flavor Flav spoke up because he doesn't want basically to play for free, it seems like, at all. Yeah. And as we also how it unfolded on Twitter, eventually it ended up with him getting kicked out of the group formally. So now Public Enemy can perform in theory with five Flavor Flav. Yeah, but it's really it's really I don't know. It's sad. And, and look, I, I, I have inside info because I was in the music industry. Um, they've not gotten along, Chuck D and Flavor Flay, for like years. So I, I guess like, I'm not surprised um, just because I've seen them both in person, not flex. And like <laughs> they didn't talk to each other, you know. So they've been beefing for a long time. And Chuck D, I, and I think like one of the stimuluses for it was like Flavor Love, and like Chuck D thought that that was like yeah, I, you know, yeah. I remember, I remember he had an interview um, around that time where it was very much like he didn't endorse it, but he was just like as long as he keeps it over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he he really thought it it was uh, what is the word? Not hokey, but you know, it's just like he, he thought it's like a sellout, it's bamboozling, it's like all of these oh, things. Minstrel? Is that too strong? Minstrel? Ooh, yeah, yeah, dang. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that was damn near, what, like 15, 20 years ago, yeah. right? Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised that this this has been happening and the public enemy radio thing has been happening. Um, but I think, like, what really kind of irked me about Chuck D was him going on Twitter and basically saying, like, you know, not only, like, F Flavor Flav, but, like, Flavor doesn't know the difference between, like, Bernie and like Bloomberg, blah blah blah, and just like going at Flavor Flav, going at his like, you know, it's like oh, Flavor's probably too drunk to do like whatever anyway. Yeah. And I think Flavor Flav or his people or whoever intern or maybe daughter <laughs> <laughs> that runs his Twitter account like actually <laughs> responded and said like, look, you know, I've gotten over addiction. You know, I might not be, like, the smartest, like, whatever, but, like, I'm, you know, like, just like a lot of Americans, I'm struggling, and I'm trying to do the best that I can, which was, like, a very, like... Adult response. Adult As response. opposed to, oddly enough, at Chuck D. Yeah, like, like in, uh, to Chuck D, who's really trying to tear Flavor Flav down, and based on all these base-level, you know, stereotypes of... of, of who what he perceives to be what what flavor flav is like dumb minstrel like whatever um so it's just it's really sad to see it's really sad to see like tammy bernie yeah man bernie look at that burn field burn no i mean like i said it's 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 something where 
I get the schism. I get the issues. I get the kicking of him out. But like you said, it's the way it's been done. It's kind of crappy. It's just yeah. like you for a band that's supposed to be revolutionary. It's supposed to be about unity. It's kind of weird to have this kind of this kind of like thing break out. You know, like I felt even with Professor Griff, it felt like like more professional. Where it was just like where here is very much like you you had years to get your act together. Like you yeah. can't really tell a grown man that. That's kind of really insulting. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, I get it. You know, it, in Chuck's mind. You know, from his, you know, it's, it's always takes two to tangle. So I'm pretty sure Chuck is like, I've given him so much opportunity, and you know, I write the lyrics, and I've done this, and Public Enemy is basically my band, and you know, yada yada yada. But you really can't. It's unseemly to do it that way because at the end of the day, you guys have decades together. You built a legacy that you know, 100 years from now, kids will be rocking Public Enemy T-shirts. But that's the th- that's the other thing too. Is like, Flavor Flav has always been Flavor Flav. Yes. Very like, good point. Why, like, this is like a newsflash for you, fam. Very good point. <laughs> very, very good point. And, only, and, and, and the sad thing is you're tearing this down only because you believe that Bernie Sanders is like <laughs> the way forward for America, yeah. which he's, he's not. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and you're only doing this now. Oh, that's very, I don't know. We could, we could have to, I feel that, hmm. Do you want to get politics? No, we're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that tonight. I feel that on paper, Bernie Sanders is the way that we should be going. But ultimately, there's a... Dude, we're about to have like a Flavor Flav Chuck D meltdown. I'll tell you you right now, I'm going to dip in there. Live on the podcast. America needs to have a realization that the idea that really progressive ideas can come to fruition... In a place that barely, barely recognizes bigotry and sexism, and Bernie is where America could be a hundred years from now. Mm, no, I feel you. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I love Bernie. I love him. I, I want you know, that shit to happen. I, but as I, because I've seen a lot of things of where you know, again, not to get too political. People are like, like, oh, he lost lost South Carolina because they're low information voters. Well, that's that's racist. Racist, absolutely, but. Ideally, can't be mad because here's the thing. What's low information? If you're somebody in the South who's had to actually live through, like, Kendrick Water fountain racism, and, you know, you're looking at these candidates, you might be more apt to think that the old guy who's kind of a little bit old racist is probably more what America will vote for (laughs) than the young radical dude. Dude, I'm you, just saying you've seen some shit. No, I've, <laughs> and somebody showing up there like, hey, this is all be fun. Trust me, trust me, trust me. We're good deep down inside. You might mistrust that. That's all. Now, now you're going to be at the Bernie rally. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm out there. You're going to be like, register on the Bernie rally. I'm, I'm like, saying, you cannot I'm use saying. my image or my likeness. I, I just saw it. And that, Reg is going to be on Twitter like, Stone's alcoholic. All, all I'll say is, <laughs> for some reason. You know, I get Stone these beers. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is, for some reason, after a certain political candidate lost in a lot of these heavily white states, somehow black voters got blamed. Oh no, no, it's messed up. Yeah. It's, it's truly, That's what I'm like, it's truly like. And by the very nature of that happening, maybe some of those older black voters were right in mistrusting the white establishment, be it progressive, no, or liberal. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, 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 see, public enemy is fucked up. You see, here, bring a public enemy for this fucking bullshit happening. I was out there listening to my two chains, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and now I gotta talk to politics. We talk about public enemy. That's why I listen to ignorant hip hop. <laughs> bring me back to the 50 Cent era. My long white t shirts. I mean, who's 50 Cent endorsing? 
He's he, he's probably he's a Bloomberg definitely Bloomberg. Man. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. He's a hundred and twenty percent Bloomberg. Damn, we called oh, him. Fuck, he's so Bloomberg. He's mad as shit right about now. He was writing the whole. He had a whole rap figured out. Oh, anyway, uh, anyway. And the last thing is uh, on on a happier note, coronavirus. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's it's and not, it's it's kind of a big deal, guys. Have you heard about this virus thing? Um, no. Long story short, the reason why we kind of at least we somehow came to the same idea is because things are actually getting canceled. Yeah, musical things, concert tours, BTS, BTS, biggest pop boy band in the world, had a big we we fucking run this shit. You know, United States tour planned, Dunzo. Yeah, I think Ariana Grande had a tour, Dunzo. Even weird corporate shit, like Adobe was supposed to have, which is bizarre in itself, by the way. Apparently, Adobe has a festival. Fucking Photoshop Adobe with fucking Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And Chelsea Handler. What does that have to do with fucking design? No fucking clue. No. 20,000 people are supposed to show up. Canceled. Yeah. It, so, yeah, so a lot of things are getting canceled, and this is, it's getting, and, and the recent today's news was apparently Amazon pulled out South by Southwest. Yeah, fam. So, like, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Amazon. So, it's like, it's getting word out there where I think it's, like I said, it's it's such a huge impact. It's hard to see why, per se, because it's not like a lot of these corporate entities actually care. <laughs> but it's kind of weird to see how that's going to survive, because it's kind of easy to say, like a BTS, right? Obviously, mega rich to go to somewhere else. I think the bigger problem is the idea of where you kind of forget that these acts are kind of like entities and like they're companies that hire people. Yeah. So it's not the fact that BTS is canceling; it's the fact that whoever's supposed to do the backline, oh yeah, you know, lighting people, la 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 yada yada yada. These guys disappear. Disappear. You know, the idea of where, you know, and obviously BTS is a huge band, but you got to figure a lot of mid-tier bands aren't going to be able to tour either, or they might have cancellation, or who knows. So a lot of these mid-tier places where people working there don't have fucking health insurance, it's just bartenders, it's yeah. just fucking, you know, maybe it's just a thousand. Like, they'll get affected also, and it's kind of interesting to kind of see, and not interesting in a kind of good way, but like, wow, it's kind of weird to see this ripple effect where it's actually affecting like live music. Yeah. So the the biggest thing is that South by is coming up next next week, basically, um, and they're vowing to continue and go on, but there's a lot of pressure for South by to cancel. And you know, I was telling you know you Reg like um, I think that decision is going to be made by the end of this week. But I, but I also feel like once that happens, the dominoes are going to start falling, right? You have Coachella coming up in April. You have, you know, all of these festivals coming up. You know, Lovers and Friends, Broccoli City. Like, it's going to be this weird thing now where if South by fall, like, if South by cancels, I mean, I feel like that's just going to have a domino effect across the music industry. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's and and I I mean I don't know how again I'm not that deep I don't know how the insurance works but it's kind of scary out there. I mean, the only thing that's kind of odd thinking about it aloud, a lot of the South by Southwest bands probably will find a way to play. Well, yeah, and and that's the thing. It's a weird. So it's a weird. It's it's, like it's, it's yeah yeah, but it's like the the formal like money behind it having that yanked out. You yeah, know, and it's cool. Like the bands will show up, they'll find a way to play. It'll be probably the best South by Southwest it in a couple of years. It probably would, yeah. But long term, like I said, there's, there's not. It's, and like I said, I wish it was just a matter of like, well, you know, like, well, you know, 
you know, AT&T, you know, who's, who's uh, Capital One, who's brought from the Rage Against the Machine, you know, Capital One loses some money, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but like I said, a lot of these big acts, a lot of these mid-tier acts, there's like, you know, 5, 10, 20, 50 heads behind them, you know what I'm saying? Well, and it, it kind of sucks. And even the smaller acts, I mean, I know, I know people who manage and do PR for smaller acts, and they're in this weird bind where it's like gets canceled. Do they go because they probably have, you know, flights that they can't cancel on Spirit Airlines, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and but yeah, they don't have health insurance and, you know, they could be at risk. Probably not. Let's just be honest. Probably not. But, you know, if you are a tour manager, you're responsible for all these people. You have to be making these weird decisions and it's it's putting a lot of musicians in this weird place right now so it's, it's definitely something to monitor right it's definitely going to be something that i feel again will impact live music a lot i think a lot deeper than what people are thinking right now i mean i me personally i feel like it's it's a lot of hysteria um you know you know i guess like in in america in the u.s we're not seeing like you know crazy thousands of people being sick but no. we're also not testing as, as many people as like South Korea yeah, exactly. so it's really don't hard to tell. tell man you know if you don't get your booze text you don't know if they're cheating on you yeah you know, you know like, oh, so, we're, we're happy. We're happy. so it's kind of weird but it, I, I, I think you know I yeah I'm not gonna worry about Amazon I'm not gonna worry about Spotify if they pull out of something but I'm gonna worry about some of these smaller artists who if South by gets canceled like you know, they put a lot of stock and a lot of money in, into being in South by. It's not cheap. Yeah. You and know? Tour, you have tour dates around that also. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of little shit happening. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, and I know cats who are doing GoFundMes just so they can pay that it goes down to South by. So it, it's it's gonna, I think it's going to wreck a lot of things um, if it gets canceled. And like I said, it's supposed to happen. Um, and it's interesting, too, because it's, it's not going to be up to South by. It's going to be up to the city. Because the city make will make the final call when it gets gets canceled. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of pressure to do it. Um. You know. And I I wouldn't be surprised if it if it got canceled. But it's going to have a huge ripple effect. You know. Oof. Huge. Yeah. So you know, stay safe out there. Wash your hands, you dirty bastards. Wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. Wash it. Stop touching your face. <laughs> Stop touching your face and wash your damn hands. Don't, don't let me get Black Mama in here. You know what I'm saying? Y'all dirty motherfuckers. Y'all need to be out here. You know what I'm saying? Put your clothes up when you get home. Do your laundry. You know what I'm saying? All that little nasty shit y'all be doing. Y'all got a home training. Fucking know what to do. You know what I'm saying? You would think, right? You would think. But, you know, we're all mm-hmm. just, just we come out. It's like, oh, I have to, I'm free. I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. And look at you. Now you're dying of Corona. <laughs> Death by Cerveza. <laughs> 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 and on that note, I mean, honestly, this week for new music, I must have thought of old shit. But uh, old shit meaning that there's so much new music coming in, you kind of miss shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I want to kind of throw in the fire is because uh, Sada Baby. Mm. Sada Baby is a rapper from Detroit who's had a shitload of music. And I mean, the only way I can describe it is like Gucci Mane circa 2006, 7, 8, 9. Where is a song after song after song after song after song. But 
I mean, the only way I can describe it to you is that he's one of the few rappers that likes rapping. Obviously, it boils down to because he's got a certain segments, a certain topics he tends to rap about. Yeah. Women, money, drugs, fucking you up, as a lot of rappers do. <laughs> but he just has a fun way of saying it, and you can just tell there's a fun way of wordplay. Yeah. So he dropped an album recently, uh, Brolic, a couple of, I think about a month or two ago, which I kind of went back to. Mm-hmm. It is bumped. A lot of the beats tend to be a little bit more, even though it's Detroit, a lot of it reminds me a little bit more of like mustardy, kind of like almost mustardy bayish a lot of times yeah but it's just like he's dude's got bars like i think what'll happen is a lot of people get turned off because he tends to do a lot of offbeat flows a little bit mm-hmm. if you actually listen to what he's saying he's a fucking comedian and i kind of wish that oh i kind of wish I, I, in his future i would love to kind of see more interviews with him because he's got like a weird wiry sense of humor that reminds me of a lot of sentiment staples mm. so it's just like so i've listened to a lot of that in the last you know as we all watch this terrifying news <laughs> of us eventually dying from a disease of all things he's kept me smiling that's what's up that's what's up uh so for me i've been listening to the latest i'm probably gonna mispronounce this spoik matumbo matumbo album all right um, i can correct you i don't know i could probably listen all the time also so, so slide. sounds good to me spoik matumbo is a south african artist uh popped up on like 2008 2009 um kind of like i think it's for its first album first few albums are kind of like eccentric offbeat um kind of like the south african version of spank rock in a lot of ways uh, i know i think they like collaborated like both spoik and like spank rock oh i think i might have like do we remember that now Shit. yeah 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 um so you know it's just kind of like this you know Afrobeat meets like you know whatever Baltimore two-step grime thing that Spank Rock <laughs> whatever was the doing, kid is listening to now you know back in in two thousand eight two thousand nine when America was great you know um, so I listened to that you know I was I was I was a fan back then and but I just haven't kept up with him um, and he's put out like a lot of music since um, but I. Uh, he put out a new album called Tales from the Lost Cities. And it's very interesting because it's very much like um, a tradition. Like, he's basically like, I want to do more of a traditional hip-hop album. Um, you know, he people will probably lump him into Afrobeat because they're racist. <laughs> just because he's from South Africa. But, you know, I, his music is varied. It, it's like, it could be house. It could be hip-hop. It could be, you know, um, you know, like whatever EDM. So his music, he has a lot of different influences. This one's more of a traditional kind of hip-hop album. I wouldn't say he's rapping the whole time, but he's kind of like rap, like, and it's kind of weird too, because it's not even like rap singing like Drake. You know, it's just kind of like he has his own vibe on the album. The production is really dope. Um, I, I some people are describing it as boom bap hip hop. I don't really think so. I think it's more like um, some of the stuff like it, it's akin to like some of the stuff that like uh, like Pretty Boy Modeling School is doing, like Danny Automator. Like like that's that's kind of like. What, like the feeling I get it's like hip hop influence but it still has this weird kind of like uh, sound to it um, you know not so much Afrobeat Afrobeat as we think about it you know there's no like you know Would rhythms you psychedelic maybe yeah I don't know if psychedelic is the right word for it but um, I mean the, I think I think the production is dope he, produ- he produced everything himself 
Um, it still has like a layer of hip hop to it, but like the samples and just like how he layers everything. Um, yeah, maybe maybe some Tame and Polish like vibes, you know, but I wouldn't say like truly like that psychedelic, like, you know, Crane Bin like stuff. Mm. Like, I wouldn't put it that way, but. No 25 minute guitar solos? No, uh, no, no, none of that stuff. But, uh, but no, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think it's a very interesting project. And I think it's an interesting project from somebody who, again, he's been in the game now. It's, tw- it's 2020. He's been in the game for like 10, 12 years. Um, and this is kind of an interesting reinvention of him. And, you know, he's just kind of like, hey, I want to like kind of pay tribute to Boom Bap Hip Hop, but it's not a Boom Bap Hip Hop Hip Hop album. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I read that after listening to the album, I was like, "Well, this is different because I'm expecting that Afrobeat, you know, like whatever." But it's not. It's it's and it's pretty cool. Like I I definitely dig it. Um, again, like I you know I'm happy to see um somebody from that era like still out here making music because most everybody else is probably working at target or you know nine to five or got that like (laughs) startup job (laughs) you know so i'm glad to see he's still out here making music um but yeah it's a very interesting album and again like it's been a dearth of music this 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 uh week so it's kind of good to just hear something that's kind of refreshing yeah man does not live on new music alone it's it's the (laughs) idea of where like um I don't know. It, it, it's, it's another podcast we'll do in the future, but I, I think you have to kind of get into the idea of being forceless to like new releases. Because we had a discussion about a band, a very problematic band before, and as a result, I started looking up Death Rock. Mm. So I started looking up this band called Christian Death, which I've heard about before, but it had this like death metal y font. So I just think it was just probably 80s metals trash. Yeah. It's not. It's actually pretty new wave. Mm. New wave, po- actually more like, let's say, post punk. Mm. Very like bass lines that remind me a lot more, ironically enough, of like, uh, not of New Order. What was the band before New Order? Help me with this. The big bands. Right before New Order, he died. Famous bands. Uh-oh. Joy Division. There we go. Okay, yeah. More, a lot yeah. more along the line of my, Joy Division my, than any metal music I, I, ever heard. I'll give back my white card. No, that's fine. That's what's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it. You know, the skiing's fine up here. Eddie Bauer, half off. It's I, awesome. I, I, I just lost all my white privilege. It's awesome over here. <laughs> no, but it's the idea of where, you know, it's kind of fun digging into the virtual crates in this case. So, like, you know, so I've listened to a lot of that on top of. But, yeah, we got to break out of this whole idea of where if an album is not hitting in the first two weeks is not worth listening to it's nonsense that goes back to the record label shit y'all they're out there peddling you know what I'm saying no, they okay. got these artists out here working for pennies you know pushing this product as part of fucking art <laughs> y'all need to go back there and listen to old shit you know what I'm saying learn your lessons learn the five elements of hip hop I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but anyway y'all thanks for listening be safe out there like we said before if you take anything away from this podcast this episode wash your hands, hands. god damn Peace. Peace.